Hello everyone, this is What Your Pastor Didn't Tell You. Today I wanted to talk about why I think that the claim that there's no evidence for the biblical exodus is very misinformed. Now, don't think that I'm just saying that all willy-nilly as I personally am not even sure of whether the exodus occurred as the Bible describes it. Now, if that doesn't make much sense to you, I mean, how do I say that there's evidence but I'm not sure, you're in the right place as this gets into how we determine what exactly is evidence for the biblical exodus. Make sure to stay until the end where we will talk about how this applies to one of the most common issues in critical thinking on all topics, not just Exodus. This subject came up because of a recent video I made where I played a clip in which Egyptologist Dr. Kara Cooney talked about some type of some type of evidence for some type of exodus. If you think that's vague, it's because it is. The big question of which caused a lot of drama is, what constitutes as evidence for the biblical exodus? And to be able to answer that question, you must first ask yourself, what does the word evidence mean? To answer that question, we must have context. I know this sounds terribly overcomplicated, bear with me, but what do people typically think when they say something like, there's no evidence for the biblical exodus. They're probably thinking of something like there's no archaeological evidence because like, what other evidence matters? And am I right? Am I right? Right? Well, that'll be for another day. Now, avoiding that question, we must also ask, what archaeological finds would we consider as evidence? If we see a big group of Semitic peoples in high ranks, as the Bible implies, and then a big group of Semitic peoples leave Egypt, as the Bible implies. And then we have a long list of other things that the Bible describes. And we also see in archaeology at the same time. But we see no stone walls that say, the Israelites left Egypt, or Moses was here. Is, does that, do we get to evidence at that point if we don't have that? Should we even expect to see something like, this is the town where the Israelites lived in Egypt? But another interesting question is, does evidence have to be completely obvious to be considered evidence? How obvious does it have to be? Like, what if it's just kind of obvious? As you can tell, I mean, this gets into the weeds quickly on what exactly evidence is. Let me propose something to you that's going to sound absolutely crazy. What I'm proposing is this. We should define evidence as something along the lines of anything that raises the probability of a given proposition. In the context of the historicity of the biblical exodus, that would mean that anything that raises the probability, even an eensy teensy little bit, would qualify. Crazy, I know. But let's watch Wonder Kid agnostic philosopher Joe Smith on why this is such a popular view among smart thinkers. You oftentimes hear mm. on internet atheist communities and whatnot, which is largely what we're focusing on, a kind of more new atheist type um, uh, people, you often hear them say that there is no evidence for the existence of God, or there's no evidence for theism, or there's no evidence for Christianity, and, and on and on down the list. Now, uh, I think this is a pretty big mistake, uh, and it has to do with what evidence is. So to illustrate that, I like doodled this. Now, I'm a professional artist, as you can see. So we've got two jars, okay? Jar one and jar, let's see if I can do this backwards. Jar one, jar two, okay. So we've got jar one and jar two. Jar two has eight orange what a, jelly beans. We're going to call these jelly beans because 
we want to. And it's got two black jelly beans. And then jar one has eight black jelly beans and two orange jelly beans. Okay, so I'm going to perform some magic here. I'm going to put this away. Remember, jar two has predominantly orange. Jar one is predominantly black. I'm going to put that away. Bada bing, bada boom. I draw a jelly bean, and it is orange. You can see that, hopefully. Let me uh, get the lighting. It's anyway, it's orange. You can bright. trust me. Yeah. So uh, the question is, um, which of these do you think that that came from? Now, I think it's obvious that we should conclude that probably it came from two, right? Well, why is that? Well, because jar two has mostly orange jelly beans. Uh, and you can actually kind of formalize this, right? You can say uh, getting an orange jelly bean is evidence for the fact that we took jelly bean from jar two because the data, namely an orange jelly bean, is more expected on the hypothesis that we drew from two than it is on the hypothesis that we drew from one. It's more expected. It's more likely. We would predict the data more on the hypothesis that we drew from uh, jar two than if we drew from jar one. So uh, with that out of the way, that's a kind of how philosophers and philosophers of science and scientists themselves often conceive of evidence. Evidence is something that is more expected on a hypothesis, like you, you have a greater probability or expectation of seeing it, the greater likelihood of seeing it, than on the negation of that hypothesis, or perhaps on a relevant alternative hypothesis. So it's all about probability raising. Evidence is probability raising. And how do you raise that probability? You, ha you have some piece of evidence that is more expected on the hypothesis than on the competing hypothesis. So, yeah. so that's what evidence is, okay? And with that in mind, the claim that there is no evidence for theism or for God's existence is quite, quite that implausible, is very implausible. Yeah, <laughs> that is to say. It's very, very <laughs> implausible. And why is that? Well, because there do seem to be things that are much more expected on theism than on the relevant alternatives, say, let's say naturalism. And just a reminder, this is an agnostic philosopher who's saying that there's evidence for God theism. And, you know, he goes on to give a list of reasons why that is. And as we described is that you can have one view of evidence and then another view that also has evidence for it. This applies very well in the discussion we're talking about. So, you know, as I said, you know, Spent, Schmid, Joe Schmidt, he gives all example as to why he is an agnostic, non-theist, thinks there's evidence for God later in the video. We're going to skip that. In the example of the Exodus debate, that would look something like having three jars, one jar containing the historical Exodus, another jar that the Exodus never occurred, and then another jar where we have a small group of Semitic people living in Egypt, but, you know, all the crazy, miraculous stuff was just a myth. So, let's say we want to analyze what probably happened. Now, for example, let's say we have, let's say we, let's say we look at the fact that we see a bunch of Semitic people and living in a virus that they don't eat pig bones, which is which we see it around the time period. And it's a similar description as to how the Bible describes it and describes the people in Egypt. And they all of a sudden leave during the reign of Ramses II, which jar is this evidence for? Well, it's possible that the Exodus didn't happen, even if we find a group of Semitics leaving Egypt. 
who knows? I mean, maybe those were just Canaanites who had nothing to do with Moses and the Israelites. So it seems like this doesn't lower or raise the probability of it not occurring by lot. And therefore, it's not evidence for the exodus not occurring. But it might be evidence against it. It's, that's a little bit more complicated. We're going to keep it simple for here. All right. On the other hand, what about the idea that a small group of people left Egypt and then was turned into a myth? Well, this fact about people living in Egypt and in Varus and the pig bones, well, this raises the probability of the view that there was small small people group that left uh, of Semitic leaving Egypt. What about the historical Exodus jar? Well, this raises the probability that a historical exodus occurred as well, since both a small exodus and a big evidence require people leaving Egypt. So it applies to both of them. We have evidence applying to both of them. Each view has evidence now based on this fact. Now, what do we do now, though? I mean, we have evidence for two jars in this case. Like, how do we decide which happened of the two views, or even the third one, as obviously there's evidence for that view as well, otherwise no one would think about it. So they both couldn't have happened, you know, but um, but specifically in the case of the two, the two ones that we have evidence for, like, if that's all we had, like, what would we do at that point? Well, what we do is we take all the different points that each raise or lower the probability of the other, all of the points in, in the world, of you know archaeology other different types of evidence and add up the probability of each jar occurring and what we see which has the most evidence for it and if it's a large amount of one over the other then we go with the one who has the most evidence so one question you might ask is why care about things that barely raise the probability like for example if i had to take a picture of my cat I would say that the picture is evidence that my cat exists. But doesn't it also raise the probability of it not actually being my cat, but actually being a demon posing as my cat? Well, yes, it does. And therefore, it is evidence for the idea that the picture looks like a cat is actually a demon posing as a cat. But it barely raised the probability. So like, while I might say there is evidence for the view, the picture is greater evidence for it actually being my cat, and therefore we should probably conclude it's a cat in the picture. But at that point, like, what good does it do to call this little bit of evidence evidence? Well, to that I would say that it probably doesn't do us much good to call it evidence, and therefore I probably wouldn't spend much time trying to argue as if it is simply being evidence means it's a serious idea to think it's true. Like, just because we call it evidence doesn't mean it therefore must be true that under this way of thinking, it is evidence is it's different. All right, so it's this is a framework to look at things different in, in a better way, what I would argue at least. So where a framework like the one I'm proposing would be extremely important is for when I'm asking a simple question like, who is in the house when I get home from work? Say like, hypothetically, like I walk in the door and I see adult women's <laughs> shoes on the floor. Okay, so where would where a framework like this one that I'm proposing would be extremely important is when I'm asking a simple question like, 
who is in the house when I get home from work? Say hypothetically that I walk in the door and I see adult women's shoes on the floor. Well, I might first think that my wife put them there since when she got home, since she's the only one that would wear them. At the same time, it's possible that she wore other shoes to work and therefore isn't home yet. Therefore, adult women's shoes simply being at the door is not a ton of evidence for my wife being home. Another possible scenario is that my little sister came over and left shoes for my wife and therefore my sister put them there. This is evidence for my sister being home. Does that lack of ability to decide who is at home at this point mean that there isn't evidence for either possibility? Obviously not. I mean, I then looked at my text and I realized I missed one saying that my sister is bringing my shoes around the same time I get off work. Wow, you know, that's more evidence for my little sister being home, not my wife. I continue to walk through the house and realize that my wife's keys are on the table. Well, you know, like, who cares? Maybe she walked to work today. You know, she lives close to work and she, she can walk. So, like, why? That's That doesn't sound too crazy. But, you know, the TV is also on her favorite channel. Like, who cares? Like, if we're talking about two different ideas of who's home, you know, whether my sister or my wife, and it just happens to be my wife's favorite channel on, you know, maybe, maybe... Maybe it's my wife who's home, but also maybe my sister likes the same channel. You know, the radio is playing to my wife's favorite station. Well, like, who cares? Maybe my sister likes the same station as my wife. And why, what should I conclude in that? If I took those individually, each individual fact of, you know, something like, you know, the, the TV being on my wife's favorite channel, I could come with a reasonable conclusion for why each of those don't require me to think my wife is home. As I said, you know, maybe my sister also likes the same channel. Each little thing is evidence for my wife being home, but isn't very helpful by itself. I have evidence for my wife being home and evidence for my sister being home. I think in this situation, it's safe to assume that it's probably my wife that is home, but I would never conclude that if I only considered evidence as something that is obvious or things that make something a high probability. Okay, what's the payoff? Well, one of the biggest issues in debates of any kind is that people see evidence for something like something, something small, like the TV being on my wife's favorite station being on. They realize that simply being on a favorite station doesn't necessarily mean that my wife's home and therefore they essentially what happens in these discussions is it gets it's swiped under the rug as if it doesn't matter but i mean how how should we really think about that though i mean it is it is small evidence it is a small reason to think that she's home but you know one could say you know that isn't evidence it doesn't prove that my wife is home they say they find a reason to not call it evidence, and therefore when they go to make their final conclusion for what has the best evidence, they conclude that only individual individual points, like my parents saying my sister is coming over to drop off shoes for my wife, is evidence because it raises the probability a lot, and they ignore small pieces of evidence when it is actually the small evidence, the small pieces, that can add up to overcome the probability of the one or two big pieces of evidence. Long story short, what is one reason people say that there's no evidence for the biblical exodus? They are often looking for that, you know, that, that big point, that point of finding a statue that says, this is where Moses led the people out of Egypt, which would obviously be evidence for the biblical exodus. 
if someone mentions a group of Semitic slaves that lived where the Bible says, didn't eat pork like the Bible says, and abandoned the city like the Bible says, well, you know, that could have been a bunch of Canaanites. So, you know, that's not evidence. No, it doesn't prove a biblical exodus occurred, but certainly it certainly it raises the probability of occurring, and one will never get to concluding that there is evidence for the exodus if the only evidence that is allowed is something that is overwhelmingly obvious. But you know why? Why should we only allow overwhelmingly obvious things to be considered as evidence? But. Maybe you understand evidence to be different. Maybe you think there is just a super little bit of evidence for the Exodus, but it's so little that it's not worth mentioning as evidence. What does Joe say to that and other definitions of evidence? That someone will clarify is they'll say, well, there's no, there's just no good evidence for theism. So what do you think about that? If they kind of, kind of twist it a little bit or just give a little bit more clarity, say there's no good evidence. As an agnostic, I mean, what do you think about that? Um, so uh, I don't quite understand. I feel like Peter Vandenwagen, like I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I don't quite understand what this distinction is between good evidence and bad, ev- bad evidence. Like, okay, so listen, evidence is probability raising, right? It, it's like I said, it's the orange jelly bean. It's like, again, consider our cases. Like, is the orange jelly bean good evidence or not? I mean, like, I can quantify it for you. Like, I can run the probability calculus and whatnot and, you know, put the put the numbers in. But, like, evidence is evidence, right? Like, if it either raises the probability of a hypothesis or not. Now, maybe what they're saying is, well, it doesn't raise the probability by a lot. You know, like, it doesn't raise it See, so much. See, but then I don't think that that's it. what they're saying. I don't think it's like, oh, it just doesn't yeah. do it enough. I think they still want to say yeah. oh, it doesn't do it at all. Well, exactly. And, and also, like, the purpose of these arguments is not to raise the probability enough so as to make you, like, compel you to believe it or something. Rather, the purpose is indeed modest. It's just to say, hey, here's a piece of evidence. Let's take this into account when we're making our overall probability assessment of the right. worldviews. And so it's just one weight of evidence. And it, it might be stronger or weaker for some people, depending on, you know, their priors and all the other sorts of things. But the fact that it is evidence is a weight. It's a weight. We're no one's saying that it has to completely tip the scales. We're just saying that it's placed on a scale. Okay, so obviously that is uh, in the context of evidence for God, but I think it applies the same way here. So maybe you think that it's just, you know, there's just a little bit of evidence. You, you might as well say that there's no evidence. Well, I, I think this is important. You know, you might think that, oh, it's just semantics. Well, you know, it's word sad. Who cares? Like, See, this is it's hugely important as to, first of all, how the word evidence is used in conversations or YouTube video titles, wink, wink. But second of all, this is important because in order to come to any conclusion on something, we must first, deti- we must first define what constitutes as evidence in order to know what evidence looks like to know when we have found it. Humans are not rational robots without a systematic way of coming to a conclusion in a complex discussion like this. We are typically terrible at making rational decisions. Humans have a knack for only caring about evidence when it is so overwhelmingly obvious instead of taking an overall cumulative case of all the evidence. Now, let's take a look at this a long list of facts where the biblical exodus matches up with what we see in history. Does this mean a historical exodus occurred? Well, I mean, 
does this fit better with an extremely small group of people and no miracles being done? Does this fit with no exodus at all occurring? I think we can all imagine all three things being possible. The question is, what is the best thing that fits the data? And I mean, I don't know. I'm undecided at this point. Uh, you could talk to your favorite Egyptologist or biblical scholar if you want more info, but I don't think it necessarily matters. At the same time, I think it should be abundantly obvious at this point that if you use a good definition of evidence, you should come to the conclusion that there is most certainly evidence for the biblical exodus. There's also evidence that exodus didn't happen and that evidence that an exodus occurred, but not like the Bible describes. This isn't all three views aren't absolutely crazy and they're all held by mainstream scholars. So, anyways, I hope that is abundantly clear why we should be okay with saying there's evidence for other views, even if we don't agree with them. We end up missing a lot and coming across lots of issues in our critical thinking if we don't take a view like this. Anyways, thanks for watching. I'd love to see your thoughts in the comment section, and I hope you guys have a great rest of your night or day. I guess it's a matter. I don't know where you are, but good luck.